Grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight we continue on in that same Lenten journey that you and I have been on for the last couple of weeks. That text continues in the Gospel of John chapter 18. Every week taking another step closer and closer to what we know awaits. We saw last week is Jesus was in the garden and he was betrayed and as he was taken, today as he is arrested and as he starts to be beaten and he continues getting worse and worse and worse. In the late 1800s, there was a thief that was feared by many, many people, stagecoach drivers in particular. He was after them. He was robbing Wells Fargo stagecoaches all across the whole valley, and people didn't know what to do. They feared just the sound of his name. They were on pins and needles, just hoping that they wouldn't misstep and have to be able to deal with him at some point. His name, you've heard it before, it's Black Bart. Black Bart, one who terrorized people all across the, the Southwest, all trying to be able to claim something from himself, and all at the same time being able to break down others around him. He was their, their enemy. He was, he was wanted, and he was feared. Do you have any fears in this world? Probably not Black Bart. But what do you have in your life that you want to protect? What do you have in your life that is important for you? Where are you trying to get from point A to point B right now on your journey? All along this time, is there something in your life that, that worries you? A misstep that you might make? Maybe a misstep that you already have made and you're waiting for it to catch up to you. Have you ever felt this feeling before a feeling of guilt if you're shaking your head no right now you're lying to me I should have just said when is the last time you felt guilt when is maybe the biggest time that you remember that you felt or went through this anguish of guilt guilt is a horrible enemy that faces us all the time it's one that, that waits for us there in the wings, just hoping that we're going to mess up with something, that we are going to misstep, that we are going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, that we are going to make the wrong decision, and then it pounces, because then at that point, all the fingers are pointing at you. It's your fault, whatever you did. You shouldn't have done that thing. You shouldn't have looked at that. You shouldn't have taken part in this. It's all your fault fault. Guilt is a tough one. It, it hangs on to us. It wears us down, not only emotionally, but, but even physically. And tonight in our text, we, we experience it with the main character. Remember our series is this witnesses to, to Christ. And our witness tonight was also mentioned last week. You remember him. He took his sword out of his sheath and he cut off the ear of Malchus. He was ready to be able to fight on behalf of the Lord. And today, as Jesus is arrested, we see this witness one more time. Except this witness today, he experiences guilt like 
any other. Maybe I should say, unlike any other. Because the guilt that he experiences today is at his own hands, and it's at the sacrifice of his great friend, of his, his brother, of his Lord. How could Peter do something like this? When you tell me that a, a picture speaks a thousand words, uh, this painting does just exactly that for me. To be able to see the people gathered off to the side by the fire where he just was. To be able to see that rooster that was there that said at the moment he denies Jesus, crows just as Christ told him would happen. And to see poor Peter with his face covered, just suffering, just in anguish, knowing that all those fingers seem to be pointing directly at him. But this hasn't always been the story with Peter. He's not a bad guy. He just happens to be trapped in a really bad place. Back up with me in our Gospel of John before we get to tonight. In John chapter 13, Jesus has just told his disciples, uh, in a little while from now, I am going to have to leave. And where I am going, you cannot follow. And this is where Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? And look at his words. I will lay down my life for you. I will do anything. I will lay down my life for you. Why is Peter willing to lay down his life for, for Jesus? Maybe we, we backtrack even a little further tonight and remember what Jesus means to him. All the things that Peter has witnessed, not just this moment tonight. Remember, Peter was just this random fisherman. He was just a guy out there like many, many others, just trying to make a daily wage, just trying to be able to go about feeding himself and his other family members. And it's in this moment when he's just out there minding his own business that Jesus comes up to him and to Andrew when they're in the boat fishing and he says, leave it. I want you to leave all those things behind and I, I want you to follow me. Peter, I am, am choosing you. You are going to be one of my disciples. You are going to be one of the ones in my inner circle. Leave those fish behind and from now on, you are going to catch people. And Peter does. I wonder why he wants to lay down his life for Jesus. Jesus chose him. The story continues on. Again, you remember that Peter is on a boat with a whole bunch of the disciples. They get caught in this horrible storm. They see Jesus out on the water, but they don't know that it's him. They think that it's a ghost. But it says, Master, if, if it is you, Peter says, tell me to, to come out, to come out on the lake, and I will do so. Jesus is walking on the water. He beckons Peter to come out, and he does. And Peter walks on water with his Lord. Sure, the moment comes, and he takes his eyes off Christ, and he gets scared when he sees the waves, and he hears the wind, and he begins to sink. But even in that moment, Jesus doesn't let him sink. Jesus doesn't let him swim back to the boat on his own. Jesus reaches down, and he pulls his arm up and gets him out of the water. Again, Peter I have chosen you. We go on a little bit further. Jesus selects Peter, James, and John and says, go up here on this mountain with me to be able to pray. As they go up there, they experience literally a miraculous moment in which Moses 
and Elijah and Jesus are transfigured before them. That Jesus in this moment potentially looks more like God than at any other point throughout all his piece of humanity here on this earth. This is the point in which Peter experiences something so perfect and so miraculous that he can't even put words in his mouth. Let's build some shelters here, God. This, this time is great. This amount of space here is, is perfect. Let's make sure we hang out here for, forever. Jesus has chosen Peter to be able to experience this miraculous moment. And so we think about his claim from before, right? Jesus I'll do anything for you. I want to go with you. In fact, I will lay down my life for you. But just as we see as our text continues tonight, the claim that Peter makes is easy. It's the follow-through that's tough. Sometimes we might say uh, it's not just our words, but it's our actions that speak. It's the same thing. It's not just a claim that we can make. Jesus, I'm going to lay down my life for you. It's the follow-through. Because you and I do this exact same thing, to be completely honest. Have you never told God before, God, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you, but it's going to be after, after that. Or God, uh, if you would just do this one thing in my life, then, then I will do this. I will give up all these other things. Or maybe it's different claims that you make, even promises that you make to yourself. Um, I'm only going to look one more time. This is the last time uh, I'm going to cheat. This is the final time I'm going to steal. Just one more drink. It's only going to be one more drink. We lie to God and we lie to ourselves and those cracks begin to show up. Little by little, they seem so small at first, but they grow larger and larger, and they look more permanent, and we begin to experience more and more guilt. All because of those claims that we have made and the lack of our action of our follow-through. The story doesn't end there. The story doesn't stop. Not for us, not for Peter. Let's look at the fractures that happen in his life, because for him, this guilt is the same as ours. Three different times people come to him. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Nope, I don't claim Jesus at all. He means nothing to me. Crack. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself, so they asked him, you, aren't, aren't you one of his disciples? You too, right? He denied them again, saying, I am not. Crack. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. A final crack the one that, that breaks and shatters the foundation for Peter, the one who brings him into that moment of, of guilt, the same one that you have experienced and that I have experienced. 
do you like leftovers? Maybe some of us, yes. Maybe some of us, no. I bet all of us have done this. You've gone to your favorite restaurant, and you've ordered whatever you want, but you ordered all the other five things that you really want to. And so at the end, they bring you the little box, and you feel bad saying no, you've already paid for it. You don't want to leave it there and waste the food. And so you put all the food in the box, and you take it home with you in your to-go box. Maybe you didn't go out. Maybe you were at your house, and maybe you prepared this, this big meal but you prepared a little bit too much. And there was leftovers. You didn't want to throw it away. You didn't want to waste it. Yet you'll eat it again tomorrow. And you, so you got out the Tupperware container, or the Ziploc bag, however you do it at your house, and you put it in there, and you took each of these things, either from your favorite restaurant, from your own cooking, and you put them in the fridge. And they were there the next day. And they were there the next day. I have this little drawer in my refrigerator that says, produce on it, and sometimes I want to write uh, where produce goes to die, I think, on it. <laughs> you had the best of intentions. You wanted to be able to have it again. You just didn't want to waste it, but it just sat back there, and after five days go by, maybe seven, I don't know, you took it out, and you threw it away. It wasn't your intention, but it's where you ended up at. Interesting program I saw on Netflix, just entitled Best Leftovers Ever. It's a cooking show in which they provide the chefs some type of leftover. And these professional chefs have to take this weird leftover, whatever it may be, and just standard things from their kitchen pantry, and they have to turn it into something spectacular for the judges to be able to taste. It's amazing what they come up with, with some leftover ground beef or spaghetti or you name it, some type of Chinese food. They always create some type of masterpiece with it, all from something that would have set in the back and it would have been thrown away at some point. You know, this is really what happens with me and with you and with Peter in our story today, too. Think about how God designed us to be that, that perfect element. Adam and Eve in the garden, this place of perfection. Nothing to go wrong, no hurt, no pain, no guilt, until that crack enters in. The devil made me do it. She made me do it. God, you put her here with me. We blame everybody else all because we feel guilty. We see it in Adam and Eve. They are shamed, are they not? They run off and they hide from God, as if they could even do that, but they try their darndest to be able to get away from him. It's too much guilt. It's too much pain. And that's when God makes that promise. I'm going to send someone for them, for you, for me, to be able to crush the head of that serpent over there, and to be able to give you perfection, and to be able to give you eternity with me again. That leftover that could have been put in the back we all could have been tossed out. But our prince shows up on our behalf and he takes us and he wants to make us into perfection again. The best leftovers ever. One of my favorite verses in scripture, St. Paul writes for us, and it clearly just shows this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
doesn't wait for us to get to a certain point. He doesn't wait for us to be better. He comes right in the midst of our sin, and he brings us back. It's the greatest comeback that you've ever seen. The greatest comeback that you have ever experienced. What Jesus does for us. And I hope that starts taking away some of that guilt. Anybody in here watching March Madness? Seriously, zero people? All right, some people are watching the games. It's madness, yeah, it's right in the name. It's always something interesting that happens there. Did you see this game? St. Peter's, some of you were like, who's St. Peter's? Yeah, nobody else knew either. They had no idea. I didn't have them in my bracket. Chrissy didn't have them in her bracket. We're almost tied up. Nobody had them in their bracket for the most part. A number 15 seeded team, or if you don't know basketball, I really don't. It's one of the worst teams. Up against a, a number two seeded team. Again, if you don't know basketball, one of the best teams. St. Peter, they were down in regulation pretty bad. St. Peter, when they tied it up, they were been down in overtime pretty bad. And then, and one of the biggest comebacks ever, they win. And they don't just win that game, they go on uh, again. And they are again not favored. And they, they win that game. And they're going to be playing again here in another couple days, and we'll see what happens to them. Who knows? But it was, it was an amazing comeback. You know, in, in our story for today, we have one of the most amazing comeback. It's not St. Peter's, but it's St. Peter. St. Peter is one of the most amazing comebacks we have ever seen throughout Scripture. St. Peter is the one who comes back and he is chosen to be able to preach to the people in Pentecost. St. Peter is the one that through that message saves thousands, thousands of people on one day. St. Peter is the one who writes a couple books of the New Testament that we have in our possession today, God's word through this man unto us. St. Peter is the one who eventually does lay down his life for Christ. In fact, he too is crucified, is martyred for the Lord. One of the best comeback stories you've ever heard, all from that man who is experiencing guilt. But remember, the story isn't about St. Peter. The story is about our Lord. St. Peter's comeback means nothing. Our comeback means nothing. It's Christ's comeback that means something. You see, it doesn't matter what St. Peter did. It matters what Jesus did. It doesn't matter how much we love Jesus. It actually matters most how much Jesus loves us. It doesn't matter if St. Peter or we give our lives for Jesus. What really, really matters is that Jesus gave his life for us. The greatest comeback that we have ever seen. A man who is arrested, who is beaten, who is crucified, that in a short time from now, we're going to celebrate the comeback that he makes. All for you and all for me. You know, when they finally captured Black Bart, it was a very different man that they found that people had been making concepts of and letting terrorize their, their minds. 
His name wasn't Black Bart. His name was Charlie. Charlie wasn't a cowboy. Charlie was just a standard businessman. Charlie was actually afraid of horses. And so that's why he never robbed a stagecoach on his horse. Charlie admitted later on he never shot anybody in all of his robberies because he never even put a bullet in the gun. It was a very different enemy that people had thought that they were dealing with. And it's the same thing when we think about guilt or when we think about sin. It's a very different element, a very different enemy that we are dealing with. Sure, I'm not going to chalk it up. Sin is a, a horrible thing. Guilt will torment you, and it will torment me. It is a tough one to be able to deal with. It can break us down. But God gives us something so much better. Stop focusing on your guilt and start focusing on His grace. Because when we focus on His grace, we see that the devil's gun is completely empty. He has no ammunition to be able to put at his disposal against you and I because we have the greatest lawman that ever came from heaven unto earth to give us not only the law, but to also give us the gospel, to be able to share with you and I that this is why he comes, so that we may be able to experience grace, that we may have this at our disposal, that we may cast aside guilt and bring aboard our God. Remember what our Lord does for Peter. Remember what he does for you. And be those witnesses for our God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again uh, for the time to be able to witness uh, such great events within Scripture. We know these are not stories, Lord, but they are true accounts that you have given unto us to be able to learn from, to be able to grow in, and to be able to share with others. Continue to be able to spur us on as individuals, especially as a family here at Desert Foothills, and of course as your Christian church throughout the world. Uh, work through us, Lord, that we may share with others, especially people in our world experiencing guilt, who you are and what you have come to do for us. Give the world your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.